There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable characters so desperately desired by a once niche fanbase so they could create a universe that no one else could. It was the result of five movies in four years, the first true shared universe of cinema, the Earth's mightiest heroes on screen. No superhero movie had ever had a team up like this, or really a team up at all. It was the movie that changed how we handle cinema forever. For better or worse, 2012's Avengers set a precedent of connected franchises and endless sequels to the point where nothing feels original anymore. Box offices exploded in 2012. Before then, only 13 films had ever made over $1 billion. Avengers 1.5 billion was the third most ever. Now 50 movies have crossed that mark, with Avengers sitting at ninth. How many perfectly executed movies truly exist? I don't mean it didn't have flaws. You can nitpick a lot about this one, but the stakes that it raised, the buildup it required and delivered upon, the bar that it set, perfect cinema personified. It defined the genre in a way no movie had until the MCU, and no MCU movie had yet perfected. Between the comic-like quips and the action sequences and the high stakes that were fully developed, no movie had ever emulated comic books to the extent of the first Avengers. Thank you guys for listening to the Wrong Opinion colon MCU Rewatch. Uh, this is Jake Clark, as always, and my brother, Bradley James Clark. So we were just talking before we were officially talking. And this movie's really good. It's a great movie. What what are your opinions on this movie? First first couple thoughts. Yeah, I am so glad that I rewatched this movie. Um, because I think that you know, it it was 10 years ago and yeah. there's been so many good movies since. But this is just like in many ways, like a perfect movie. Um, I think that as far as MCU movies, um, the first few movies are kind of different genres of each other um, in different ways. Like Captain America is kind of a historical kind of look back and Thor has some, some kind of like fantasy elements and Iron Man is obviously action and, and it's got some sci-fi to it. But this is the movie where like it establishes a formula for comic book movies. I think, you know, it's fast paced. It's got witty humor, even in some of the more dramatic pieces. There's still a humor mixed in, which is it's like it feels like a comic book movie, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it really is the first MCU movie in that in that um, in that fold in that genre i guess because every like you were just saying every single movie has their own kind of typical genre um there's a few of each as we go on but this is the first one where like they all come together like you've got the fantasy you've got the sci-fi uh you don't really have like the noir-esque stuff like you see in uh in uh winter soldier but you get all those different genres coalescing into one and when this first movie when this movie first came out i thought it was gonna suck i thought it was gonna be some stupid cheesy blow them up movie and there just wasn't going to be enough time to have all the characters and oh boy was i wrong like they figured out how to like no it, like nobody gets shafted in this movie i guess hawkeye kind of but even he gets a nice little plot line as, as the show goes on i think that was similar to what everybody was thinking is like team up movies always suck like whenever you do some sort of crossover 
Um, it just never works out. And DC still hasn't really figured out how to do that. So Marvel, and I think it's because of the pacing, you know, they just, they just cover just enough of everything. Um, they've done a really good job of establishing a good way to have so many characters, so many big actors that could and have held movies on their own and mixing them in in a way that really fits. Yeah, and we in the first few movies of phase one, we talked about how they're all a little bit skippable because like you get the backstory, you get the expositions in this movie. Uh, and I think that's really important because that way you're not spending too much time on one character. I think that was a bit of a flaw with Infinity War is there was too many storylines we're trying to follow. So like Captain America has like four lines in that movie. But in this movie, everybody's got an important role. Everybody's got, everybody shines. There's a lot of, of early peaking in this movie. So BJ's number one on the draft board tonight. Who are you picking? What are you picking? What are you giving out? I'm going to, let's, let's start at the beginning. Let's do uh, I am Iron Man award for best single line. Cool. I love this. So one. got a great so... answer. My my best single line is there's a little bit of a caveat to it, um, but I chose until such time as the world ends, we will act as if it intends to spin on by Nick Fury. That was good. However, I put basically everything that Fury says in this movie is a perfect quote. Like he's got so many good, good single lines in here that I could have chosen five or six of them. Yeah, I mean. Between him, I, I had Loki for that. Like all of his lines are magnificent. He's just, I'm, I'm going to talk about this in the peak section. He's straight up bad guy, has all those monologues and they're all amazing. But Fury too, he's got a lot of those. Like uh, when the, whatever, the man of the tie, the creepy guy, he says, war isn't won by sentiment director. He says, no, it's won by soldiers. And then cuts to Captain America. That was a great line. Uh, is the sun coming up? Yeah. Then put it on the left. Uh, for best single line, I put the same thing as you, all of Loki's lines. Uh, one that was good was, freedom is life's great lie. Once you accept that in your heart, you will know peace. About Loki 2022. Basically, all of his monologues are amazing. Yeah, I also like what they said before that when, when you have him going back and forth with Fury, where uh, he's like, I've come to set you free. And then he says, what are you setting us free from? And then he says, freedom. <laughs> Yeah, that, that part going into your line is just like, yeah, this award was good villain. There are so many honorable mentions for this award, but number one by a long shot is I am Loki of Asgard and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I love that line. It's like become my mantra. I've got it hung up right here. It says burdened glorious purpose. I'm going to get that tattooed on my arm. I love that line. It's, that's a long quote to, uh, put on your arm i'm just gonna put burdened with glorious purpose i'm not gonna put i am a little of asgard because <laughs> i am not i think that'd be more fun yeah well, maybe i'm gonna go with the ragnarok award for character cinematic peak so loki doesn't peak in this movie but evil loki does because later we see him as like this anti-hero and in the first one he's he, he's like the god of mischief he's a guy who's trying to overthrow the king but he's not like straight up evil but in this movie, he is evil. He's just slaughtering people in troves. He's he's the pure god of evil. It's homicidal. Just the excitement after he stabs the guy's eye, and then everybody starts running away, and he's just like smirking. 
that's straight up evil Loki, and I love, love that. And he only speaks in like cocky, demented monologues, and they're all just stellar. I love the Whedon Hiddleston combo here. Um, and then second peak, I'm gonna say Eric Selvig peaks here. Just his wild manic excitement when he's when he's uh, brainwashed. I love that. And and Skarsgård is just his face features when he's looking crazy. His acting chops are in full force here. Those are great. Uh, I actually have two as well, and they're completely different from you. Okay. So I've got Coulson uh, for his cinematic peak. I think he's got a lot of good pieces. You know, at the very beginning of the previous movies, he was very dry and just kind of very agenty. And yeah. you start to you start to see peaks of like personality in there, uh, which makes it kind of fun to contrast with uh, still the kind of agent in him. Um, although he was best in Agents of Shield, so yeah, but cinematic, we don't count that. We don't count that. Have you seen that uh, show? I've seen part of it. I have not seen all of it. Um, I tried so hard several times. I got like yeah. four episodes in. Yeah. There's a lot of Marvel shows that were like made by other networks that were not great. It's kind of good yeah. that they brought them into their own. That's a good time own. to talk about this. Just, you know, randomly. Um, that's what Marvel did for all the 2000s up until Iron Man. They let other studios, other networks handle their baby and their creation. And then after Avengers, they did that again with like four different shows. And then even the Netflix shows like Daredevil was good. Outside of that, it wasn't anything to write home about. So I I think that's crazy that they kind of wrong opinion. What? Which one? Okay. Jessica Jones first season was good. Daredevil was good. Daredevil is great. I don't think you can say it's not something to not write home. No, about the other ones. About. The other ones are nothing to write home about. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I Daredevil that. was great. That was one of the greatest Marvel creations. Was the first couple seasons of Daredevil, um, but the rest of the Netflix shows, like yeah, they should just made them themselves, and then they started to in twenty, what twenty twenty one last year, and I, it's just crazy that they went back to what they were doing in the two thousands when they decided to like have full control over their creations. I don't know, just odd. Uh, and you had, you had two picks. Who's your yeah. other one? So my other was Pepper Potts. Um, I think this is where Gwyneth Paltrow is not yet bored with acting. <laughs> so um, I, I think, you know, she's, she's pretty good at here. She's a small role, but um, there are other pieces with Pepper in later movies where it's just like, She's so phoning it in. <laughs> and, <laughs> like in Homecoming, she didn't even realize that she was doing a Spider-Man movie because she only had that one <laughs> small scene. So yeah. she was talking to, who was it? It was probably Kilson or uh, uh, Holland. Who, who, who were you saying? It was Favreau. Favreau? When they were talking about his movie. Oh, yeah. They were doing some like cooking show together. And he was like, yeah, we were in a Spider-Man movie. And she was like, I was never in a Spider-Man movie. He was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were we were there together. <laughs> this is a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, she's oh, man. been phoning in the MCU. Yeah, I think Pepper has some, like, I don't know. I don't. I think no, she doesn't peak here. <laughs> I was going to try to argue with you, but or argue on your side. I mean, behalf. I did not like her big part in Iron Man three. But yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, that was very violent. Like, okay, <laughs> let's go back to Loki because I I think that. 
Loki and Thor are so interesting because, you know, they're thousands of years old, but they also develop the most of any other characters and they change the most. So it's, it's really interesting. And, and I like to think of it as like, um, as gods, like they have a huge capacity for good and a huge capacity for, for evil. So you see Loki like become one of the best villains in the MCU, but then also you, you like him and he does good things in later movies as well. Yeah. I think there's some retconning mostly among Reddit threads saying that like Loki was only this bad in this movie because of the, the mind stone in a scepter. Um, I don't think that's true. I think he was just no, a, a no. spoiled. Like, I mean, 1500 years old, if you live to be about 6,000, he's 25. Right. That's, that's about what that math works out to. So, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a emo confused, emotional child. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's also, it might be a homicidomaniac. It's also how he sees humans too. Cause you know, he doesn't see killing humans as, as bad as killing as guardians. Yeah. And probably for good reason, you know, like, like we are ants to them. We only live for 80 years. Um, I'm going to live till 200, but you know. Yeah, me too. I cannot wait until the day I can upload my consciousness into a computer and just live forever. That's going to happen in my lifetime. Well, I, I'm just hoping, I, I'm kind of looking at the other side that they just like do a whole bunch of like, genome sequencing and you can just get an injection to fix anything mm-hmm. so like they take you into the lab and you're like hair i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna make a bald joke you beat me to it <laughs> that's it. that's what i'm waiting for i feel like if the if i live long enough i will be able to regrow hair so i'm looking forward to that uh don't hold your breath uh you are up with the third third award of the night why do you mute yourself? Okay. There's only awkward, us two talking. Awkward pause. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Best one-off character. First Avenger award. Um, so I put the uh, the diner lady. Uh, I feel like she has a, a little bit of a following. And it's kind of weird how much she's in this movie. Um, you kind of like felt like she was going to play a bigger part later on at some point. Because you see her in... I think three different scenes. Um, so she was she was the one-off character that I thought of. Um, I'm interested in hearing what you think. Okay. I can't think of a whole lot of one-off characters. Yeah, I created this award after... It's called the First Avenger Award for Best One-Off Character. I created it after last week because there are three A-list actors in like side roles that never come back in that movie. Um, and it kind of sucks that this one doesn't really have a good a good award for that the only one i kind of had by default was uh his name is warren cole he's the only recognizable face uh he played the guy playing galaga one of the agents uh i only recognize him from the show common law it's a crappy 2012 show that got canceled mid season one but he's the only like side character actor that ends that has like has a recognizable face you know what i mean i want to talk about common law too because that was like the ultimate like let's get in a room and make as formulaic of a tv show as possible (laughs) like let's make a cop show with like a white guy and a black guy and their buddies and they're gonna get into hijinks like that's like ultimate like um soulless 
show. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very good. That's back when I would have been in ninth grade. I didn't really have a good vibe of like what good and bad shows were. So I just saw a show. I was like, oh, this is fun. I feel like that's how like how Maisie, our sister, watches movies and TV. It's like, oh, I'm just enjoying lights coming from the TV. I don't <laughs> even know what's good or bad. But, you know, I think there's something to be said about like you can be critical about things, but you can still enjoy them. Like, oh, yeah, pretty much every movie that I've gone to in a movie theater, I've enjoyed. And then I like go home and read reviews about it. And everybody's like, oh, this was such a crappy movie. And I'm like, oh, OK, it was a crappy movie, but I still had fun. I had popcorn. Yeah. Listeners. Take heed of that for when we talk about Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> That's a great just like go on a date and go see this movie and it's fun. You just don't it doesn't have to be great, but yeah, you can just have fun. I like just about every superhero movie. Like I I like uh, Dawn of Justice. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I just enjoy superhero movies, but Morbius, that was like the worst two hours of my life. And my fiance took me on a date to see that she paid and she was so excited for it. She's like, oh, you like superhero movies, right? I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to pretend I liked it, but it was it was a bad movie. We should do yeah. a Morbius podcast. What are your thoughts on Morbius? <sighs> Morbius. I that's that's another movie. Like I went and saw it and that tests my boundaries of I enjoy every movie in the theaters. I think it had a solid start. It just got like meh. I think it was one of the worst movies I've seen in my entire life. Let's I'm, go with I'm, the I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's it's also like goes back to like um Amazing Spider-Man 2, how they had like a big like oh we're going to get all these people together um kind of uh post-credit scene. It's the same with Morbius. It's like, oh, they're building to something, but are they going to actually stick with it because Morbius was so bad? Yeah, I can't imagine they will. It was so bad that internet memers like constantly made jokes about it. To the point where Sony re-released in theaters because of getting talked about so much. Like, oh, it's going to be great if we re-release it. But they were talking about it because it sucks so bad. How are movie execs just so dumb? I don't know. Like, I just, I think about that all the time with, like, some movies that get made. Like, how did you think this was good? Have you not seen a movie before? I Like, with Justice League. I Like, how? All right. Let's put a pause in Avengers real quick. Like, how? You've seen so many movies that failed because the bad guy was had this gravelly voice all cgi and there's nothing cool but then they include it and then avengers is thriving and the movies are two and a half hours long and they're like no we gotta make them two hours flat kept any longer and then like that could have been three movies all right let's talk about avengers though oh no i need to complain a little more like this is what this is for warner warner brothers has some of the biggest franchises of all time like it's got dc it's got all of these like monster movies, Frankenstein, um, the mummy, like it's got all these great, all this great material. And they're putting out two movies this year because they are out of money. And it's like, how can you not make money with Batman and Superman and the mummy and Frankenstein? Like it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know why they're still making these crappy dceu movies like i don't want to see black adam but i would if they made a batman arkham asylum movie 
I would probably see that eight times in a week. Like they already have all these great stories and they have to make crappy new ones, but whatever. Back to Avengers. Avengers would have made a great video game. Like just following this story. Exactly. Cause you're, you're fighting like your own people. You're fighting Hulk you're fighting Hawkeye. You get to go through different like areas. I think it would be an interesting yeah, video but, game. Uh, Marvel video games peaked in 2006 with ultimate Alliance. Which I can never play again because my 15-year-old Xbox 360 just died. I'm going to pick the uh, Captain Marvel Award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world. Where was Captain Marvel? Like, why didn't Fury... This is way more on Fury than Captain Marvel. Why didn't you press press the uh, little pager thing? Like, Earth is at war for the first time ever with an alien entity. That's why she gave him the pager. She would have ended the fight in like two minutes. And he's like, eh, now we got, we got a you know World War II vet and a couple assassins. I put the exact same thing because that's it's why like, this award was named such. Yeah, it's like obviously this is retroactive continuity, but what what's the point of like the story of Captain Marvel in saying that? Oh, we're gonna name the Avengers after her. Uh, we're gonna give her this pager that she can come save us when like New York is about to get nuked. That's that's not worthy of you like uh, pressing the pager. That's, yeah, that's he's afraid crazy. to like annoy her by yeah. calling her too much. Yeah, and Captain Marvel is another one of those movies that I liked. I thought was fun. Yeah, I liked Captain Marvel. I liked Brie Larson in it, even though like a lot of people hated her for probably sexist reasons to some degree. <laughs> well, considering um, he was getting one star reviews five months before it came out, yeah, I'm gonna put that on sexism. <laughs> yeah, same with She Hulk. Is there like just this army of I, I would love to talk about She-Hulk some, someday, too, because that, that's a good show. Um, you, you like it? Okay. I haven't gotten to it yet. And originally, I thought all the bad reviews were from, you know, goofy white incels. But then I just started seeing, like, lines from the show. Like, maybe the show does suck. But I'm excited to okay. see it. So it has flaws. And the CGI isn't great, but it's a show. You know, like... TV shows. If you watch a TV show that has CGI, you expect that it's not going to be as great as watching Avengers. I think it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy how she breaks the fourth wall and um, she predicts how a bunch of dudes are going to be mad that she's taking the mantle of Hulk. And I think that's funny because that's exactly what people are doing with these review bombings. So it's, it's very meta. I'm going to choose one that I actually had a difficult time um, talking about or figuring out. So um, I'm going to put this and you can agree this might be this might get me the uh, wrong opinion buzzer. I'm not sure. But Infinity Saga Award for Most Frustrating MacGuffin. I don't think there's a whole lot. Um, I put the the vintage cap cards covered in blood as frustrating, Um, you know, they're intended to kind of like be this thing that brings everybody together and to kind of combine them. But like Colson just got killed. <laughs> like, is that, is that not enough? Like it seems frustrating to just like have this plot device that has no real purpose in truly carrying on the plot. Yeah. I think um, movies oftentimes try to like throw a little heart in there. 
but they just do it in a way that's like that wasn't really necessary the dude just died like they're already sad also i in, the fact that they are so sad about him dying is a little odd itself like most of these guys barely knew him and several other agents had just been killed too yeah like the movie's fairly long so like everything that had to do with these cards i feel like should have hit the chopping block i don't know i don't i can't say that's the wrong opinion can't say it's the right opinion I think I like the cards. It, it didn't take up that much time. It wasn't very distracting toward the plot. Maybe it didn't really make a lot of sense. But it was a worthwhile addition. Uh, for the Infinity Saga award for the most frustrating MacGuffin for the entire Infinity Saga, it's going to continue to be the Infinity Stones. Uh, there, Once again, we see everybody fighting over the Tesseract. It's a unit of untold power. We don't know what it does. We know that it's a doorway to the other side of the universe, and it can create weapons outside of that. It's just a way to get Loki fighting the good guys. Like, small scale really has no other purpose other than that. Getting Loki fighting the heroes in, uh, what's it called? The big city? New York. <laughs> New York? <laughs> yeah, Loki. <laughs> I the name of New York. I'm moving there in, like, seven months. But, yeah. like, all, all of the Infinity Stones act as crazy MacGuffins. And it's just how well they actually include the use of the stone in the storyline itself like in this one it's fine like it's uh it's, it is a plot device but they they use it in a good way and it makes sense and then it, it, we know that it's gonna have a bigger purpose later probably uh but then stuff like the the ether the reality stone and thor the dark world that was just used poorly like it doesn't yeah. really it didn't really have to exist to make the plot go forward you know yeah and honestly like like you said at the time and maybe this is an, an aged poorly thing but at the time it doesn't like it seems like just this thing and it seems like it's not going to be important um and then it takes quite a while for them to really pull them together and be like oh yeah these are important and um obviously that makes it the infinity saga a lot of fun but it does take patience probably this is the first one and they probably thought about i don't want to get into probabilities but i don't think they knew how big a scale the infinity stones would be it, like, did they even know the Tesseract was going to be the Space Stone at this time? I definitely don't think they knew the Mind Stone was going to be in the Scepter. I think that probably up until this point, it was just the Tesseract. It was just a, a, a powerful, self-sustaining energy source. Uh, we're going to go with the Eternals Award, or could this have been a limited series? No, absolutely not. Like, this movie has to be a blockbuster film. It's, like, meant to be seen in theaters. It's far too grand and epic to be spaced over six episodes. Like, there's absolutely no way this would have been... A, it would have been a great TV show, because it would be a great anything. It would be a great book. It would be a great yeah. post-it note written on the floor. It was a great movie, but it had to be a movie. It shouldn't have been a limited series. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to doubt Kevin Feige's decisions. So if he had made this limited series, sure. It would probably be fantastic. But no, this is like, like I said before, this is a perfect comic book movie. And it's great because it fits so much into the two and a half hours or whatever. Um, so no, no, this is just perfect the way it is. And you you mentioned the length of the movie. It doesn't feel like it's that long because it is constant action. It happens over like what maybe seventy two hours max. 
and it's constantly like something is happening and what what's happening yeah. is really important and there's a lot yeah. of fight scenes there's so it feels like a really quick movie but it's two hours and 40 minutes yeah and and by the way like you think of all of the movies that have happened up to this and this all happened in like weeks right like incredible hulk happened a year ago but then they come back to like in in the ending they come back to what's happening in this current time and then same for captain america like they pull him out of the water and then they have the the scene with avengers so like yeah i think all of this is happening very quickly iron man 2 thor and incredible hulk all happen they say something in here like it had to be over a year like they said that he hasn't had an incident hulk hasn't had an incident in over a year and so we're assuming that they're talking about what happened in Harlem and that happened the same week as Thor and Iron Man 2. So this is probably 2011. Then Cap gets pulled out of the water, I'm going to assume, like weeks max, just based on the fact he said he still hasn't been, you know, tired. <laughs> he took a long nap. So just the the timeline of it. Uh, and then this movie happens in, you know, days. Yeah. So it's kind of it's one of those things that makes the MCU kind of hard to understand the timeline because there's a lot of like, this all happened in, in a short amount of time. And then there's the seven year gap between other things. So it's, it's kind of, kind of tough to uh, put like a chart of everything that goes on. I wrote about the entire timeline and how you can watch it chronologically on strfacts.com. Check it out. Check out Um, the show notes. Okay, let's do uh, what age is the best and what age is the worst. So I'm going to put uh, best. I think their use of CGI. I think they're still at the point where they're still using some practical effects. And I don't think any um, of the movies practical effects. None of it? I, I can't imagine. Okay. Okay. Uh, well. It's so bright. That, that's how you can sometimes tell too and how, how bright everything is. It's hard to yeah. have I'm, that. I'm picturing like the helicarrier where like Hulk is smashing through things and like there's a, a couple cuts that look like these are real things that are exploding. Yeah, maybe but, some of that, some of the, the cars flipping in the big in the yeah. big fight. But anyway, I think their use of CGI ages well. This is a a good time for CGI. It's not I mean, it's a lot of CGI, but some of the other movies in MCU recently are like everything is filmed in this giant warehouse of green and yeah part of that, tell that part of that on top of the uh the screen craft that the uh the, the stagecraft that disney uses which is like a green screen but it's a whole world it's hard to explain but on top of just using that they they do their stuff in warehouses to avoid spoilers <laughs> so that's just kind of a frustrating reality where they have to do it in this, you know, acre large warehouse just to keep from paparazzi and such. So it yeah. leads to having to do a lot of CGI. Uh, what age is the worst? Uh, I put uh, Joss Whedon for obvious reasons. He's kind of a bad person, but um, Joss Whedon's had a lot of controversy. He's uh, not the best on set, especially to women. Um, I guess I'll just leave it at that for now. But also, he did kind of ruined um, Justice League as well. <laughs> so this is uh, Joss Whedon at the time. You're like, oh, man, he did perfect with this movie. 
And then when when I heard that he was like kind of coming into Justice League, I was like, oh yeah, that'll be good. To he's he's done it well. That did not go well, and it's kind of a good. I example blame the of, studios because they didn't. Yeah. I they it doesn't really make sense to have a Joss Whedon type doing a dark and grimy grimy DCU thing, but I think this is where he thrives because you know he wrote comics and he did the uh, the weird goofy shows like you know Buffy yeah well goofy but you know what I mean yeah and Um, it's it's a good example of like there's no right or wrong way to do things except for doing it two different ways at the same time yeah and And having the right filmmaker for the right type of film I think is important which I think Marvel's done really well with like Sam Raimi should not have done Avengers Endgame but he should have done Multiverse of Madness Joss Whedon probably couldn't do uh, Winter Soldier, but he could definitely do Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. And that's what having a huge, huge, huge franchise does for you. It gives you more options. For me, there's a, a weird line of it, it just ages weirdly. But we see the first alien invasion. It's the first sighting, the first public sighting of superheroes, with the disbelieving public uh, super friends who argue with each other. It's all brand new here. And looking back, it's kind of weird that it feels like it, they react to it as new. And it, it, like nowadays we see superheroes on every corner. They host podcasts and they're on the boxes of Wheaties. It, so it ages well to look back and see how it started. But the the grandness of how it first felt, like it doesn't feel as big anymore because we've seen bigger. So that ages kind of poorly. And I think what ages pretty poorly is the fact that Tony's the only funny Avenger. Like by Endgame, they're all cracking jokes, banner. Mm. Banner is basically comic relief. And but like every like all of the Avengers, they're like the straight man where jokes are coming off of them, and then Tony's just ripping jokes. And that's not the case later. Uh what else did I put? Seeing the Brodum, the Brodum form across the Avengers, they ages really well. Especially by Age of Ultron when they're like partying together. And seeing scenes like uh when Cap is telling Tony to suit up. And he like gives mm-hmm. him a hand up right after they've been arguing. He's like, okay, we got to go done arguing. Mm-hmm. Let's save the world. Yeah. Although it is sad cute. watching them fight. I want to fast forward and up to, up to when they're friends. I like seeing my two best friends fight. That's what <laughs> it feels like when Iron Man and Tony fight or Iron Man and uh, Steve. <laughs> Iron when Man Iron Man and Tony, Tony fight. fight. <laughs> confusing. Uh, very confusing. I guess we saw them in Iron Man too, didn't we? Let's go with the, uh, let's go with poorly aged CGI. Uh, there's, this movie is full of great CGI. They spent a lot of money on making it look good. Um, but Iron Man looked worse than he ever had before and ever had since. Like, that's pretty much the extent of the bad CGI. Even, like, the Shatari looked good. But Stark looked like a like his face was just badly photoshopped on top of that suit. Mm. And this is like, they're not doing, he's not wearing an actual suit in this movie as they had done previously because it was just so uncomfortable. And CGI, I guess, wasn't quite good enough at that point 10 years ago. But it looked so bad. Yeah, I think like CGI is always just really about how much money are you willing to spend on it, especially in 2012. Like it's not necessarily that we're at a point where we can't make great CGI Um, in the 2010s. It's just it costs a lot of money. Um, But the Avengers spent a lot of money. They spent, what, $220 million on this movie which obviously they made it all back but 
The CGI is great. I think this is like kind of peak CGI. I think right now it's overused, even though it looks great. You can tell when when you're in a giant green warehouse. Um, but I think it's good. Um, the Iron Man, yeah, Iron Man has been better, but I would not complain too much about it for this movie. Uh, this movie had a $220 million budget, like he said. It's opening weekend just domestically was 207 million. So they made it back just in the US on its first weekend. How much did uh RDJ make for this movie? I don't know. What do we look like? Let's look it up. He probably did he take a percentage? Let's see. All right, he made 10 million up front and then 50 million total, so he probably took a percentage or some sort of bonus. Not worked out go. well for him. Worked out well for him. Not quite Tony Stark money, but um, no, yeah, I I thought the CGI was this is, I was I remember seeing this movie, and the CGI was kind of mind blowing at how good it was. It wasn't like, you know, the CGI was the main event like some other movies that I've talked about that I dislike, but um, it was really good. Um, so my turn, um, is it time to pick some nits? Let's pick some nits. There's a couple of nits to pick in this movie. Um, I, okay. So there's, there are a few nits that I had. Um, one is how does Tony not know what shawarma is? Um, he's a very rich person that I'm assuming eats out every single day. I can't imagine him making his own food. Um, how does he not know what shawarma is? Uh, more of the important it is, um, why didn't the military aim the nuke at the portal in the first place? <laughs> like, why did it take Iron Man, you know, like grabbing it and throwing it up into the portal? Like, why not start at, you know, the place that has all the, the spaceships and not all the people? Never thought of that sense. once. But that, yeah. Like, you could argue, like, why did they shoot it in the first place? But like, why wouldn't they just aim it better yeah and and i mean again it's always a suspension of disbelief and i hate when people pick nits too much but this is what the podcast is for oh yeah so like and that was like their Air first Force. move too was to drop the nuke it wasn't yeah. even like hey let's uh, let's get the military let's have this go out a couple days let's get some it's yeah. just like oh no nope. let's get some tanks nuke them waste yeah. the most important city in the on the planet our british listeners are gonna take offense to that london is a to clear number two uh some nits for me the uh, uh some a screenwriting knit was the we need a plan of attack i have a plan attack like that's pretty cool man you're so cool i got a plan yeah. attack okay got it yeah that's it, that's where the uh making it like a comic book doesn't always work out well yeah you gotta you gotta uh, this was such a well-written movie that that was jarring. Let's see, a plot knit. Thanos, he basically gambled the Mind Stone to get the Space Stone. So he gave up both, trying to get both. Like, he probably could have gotten by without giving Loki the Scepter. You know what I mean? Like, that didn't really make too much sense. But that this is also before we knew that those are both Infinity Stones, I think. I will pick this knit every single time it comes up in movies. The last minute save. Like, was Cap waiting for Loki to shoot at the old German guy before he would jump down? Like, was he just like, oh, this is not a good time. Well, wait, oh, 
Oh, let's go. Like, what are you, what are you waiting for? Jump sooner. Aren't you trying to give this man an old man a heart attack? I hate that. The, the, the last minute save it happens in several. You know, MC movies. He, he traveled so much for those USO tours that he probably just has a knack for the, the-, the theatrical. He's a uh, um, showman at heart. Uh, and then this one, I never thought of until I was thinking this time. Like all these ones I've thought a million times every single time I've seen it. But this mo- this one I've never thought of. But how did Banner get to New York City so quick? And how did he know where to go? Yeah, on like this goat farmer's uh, uh moped yeah where did he land based off the guy's accent it sounded like he landed in like kentucky and he just borrows a a little what do you call those little moped gets all the way to new york city in 10 minutes but he got there as fast as iron man did and iron man has an iron man suit i mean it is it is pretty funny when he just rolls in there but it was funny but it made no sense a little bit maybe you know maybe you don't see him like taking a helicopter but then the helicopter can't come into the war zone. So he has to like grab somebody. It's Bruce Banner. <laughs> the fugitive of the law. It's easy for him to get helicopters. <laughs> he has to have resources to disappear. He's okay. clearly got somebody in on the inside. Okay. Anyway, those are your nits. Oh, those are my nits. Those are all my all nits. Right. The bigger a stage a movie gets, I think the more nits are available, available for picking. Let's go with the Hawkeye Award for the most unexpectedly inspiring moment. I already said burden with glorious purpose, so I can't use that one again. But that is a that's like a pantheon inspiring line. Um, but the old guy who refuses to stand up, that everybody's men like you coming from a dude who's like he's old. He's probably experienced Hitler, and then World War II vet comes to save him. That guy probably thought he was like tripping, like he was about to die. Like, I I saw you when I was a kid. That's Captain America. I tried to me. kill you. He's he's actually an ex-Nazi, but... Oh, okay. Let's hope not. Um, uh, but that whole moment where he, he stands up, refuses to, to kneel, because there's always men like him. Yeah, I put that to, you know, this old guy standing up to Loki. Part of me was thinking, okay, is it just because he's really old and he just is okay with dying? But um, that was... a. I, I don't even know if it's unexpectedly expiring, but it's one of the favorite parts of the movie. Gets me in the feels. Uh, okay, let's do the Watiti Award for funniest moment. Okay, so there's a lot of like goofy moments in, in this movie, and they're fun. I really liked the Black Widow interrogation scene. Yeah. Where uh, you see you think this it's this dark, dramatic moment, and then she's like, I'm getting everything from this guy. What are you doing? Like, I don't <laughs> give everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that especially the first time you watch this movie, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, that's my favorite moment. Yeah, I think I, I said that Iron Man Two was skippable because for like for one reason, like you get introduced to Black Widow fine in this movie, um, but seeing her like in the previous movie as this ultimate spy and then starting off seeing her. Uh, this isn't necessarily a funny comment, but it's just cool seeing her like in action to start the movie. Um, but that line, that that scene was hilarious. The old guy who finds Banner and he says, son, you've got a condition. <laughs> yes, I do. 
That's just such a stupid line. I love that line. Son, you've got a condition. (laughs) When he says, I saw you coming through the sky all buck-ass nude. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, His brain is a bag full of cats. That's an insult I use about every single day of my life. That's like my go-to insult, honestly, if I think somebody's stupid. Um, Cap not getting any of the references. Just that was funny. It kept getting funnier, funnier. And then the uh, flying mo- monkeys reference. Oh, I understood that reference. Classic meme. We need a we need a Avengers meme or Avengers award for most memeable moment. Um, and then it comes full circle with a little notebook and Winter Soldier. But I think the funniest one. It's not when you first watch it. It's probably not the funniest moment. But on rewatches, it gets funnier and funnier. When Loki first comes and he he had you know he had that little speech planned. Uh, and he's ready to take over the world. And he says, I am, or I am Loki of Asgard, burned with glorious purpose. And then Selvig turns and he goes, Loki, brother of Thor? And Loki has his face. And it's like, I came across the entire universe and I still can't get rid of the big brother complex. This is ridiculous. Came all the way out here. And I just want to know about Thor. That's when he decided to take over Selvig's mind. That was he's the like, moment. He's like, I can't kill I'm you. Gonna... Now I got to torture you. I'm going to torture this dude. I'm going to be inside his head. Uh, I'm going to go with the Age of Ultron award for this was way cooler after seeing the next five movies. So it's hinted that Loki was working for somebody bigger at the start of the movie. We don't know who it is, but then it's confirmed in the post credit scene to be a Thanos. Ooh, nobody who watched the movie probably knew who it was unless you actually read the comics. But now everyone knows Thanos is. Uh, but see how it all connects that Thanos is acting as a puppet master. It's a brilliant revelation that takes like six years to fully unveil. Um, but first thing you hear, it's a cool rewatch. Uh, Dracoff's daughter was mentioned when Loki was being an a-hole to a Black Widow. And then we finally know what that means in Black Widow nine years later. Uh, there was an idea when he first says that, talking about the Avengers initiative. I got like goosebumps hearing that, especially mostly based off the, uh, the end game first trailer. That was a great, great, Great. Five times more great callback. I think the best one, though, when Stark and Steve are arguing, you're not the guy who makes a sacrifice play. Uh, Tony says everything special about you came out of a bottle. Both those two are proven untrue in Endgame. Steve, has he's worthy of the hammer. Uh, Tony dies to save the universe. That, that was the ultimate callback. That's what makes Endgame in my opinion, like better than the Avengers because of everything, including this movie that came up to it, you know, like just being able to come back to these people and a lot of them giving them this kind of send off with bringing it full circle just makes you, makes you want to cry. It makes you want to cry. Uh, I put the same, I put Thanos. (laughs) Um, I it's, at the time, you're like, oh, this big bad guy. And then you're like, okay, did they forget about him um, for a couple of movies? Uh, but then, like, bringing it to the end of the Infinity Saga uh, really paid off. Yeah, and it's really smart to introduce him as a full-fledged character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Totally separate from the um, storyline that we're following. Um, so that's kind of like a backstory on Thanos is Guardians of the Galaxy. And then we see him. Once again, getting into the humans business at the end of Age of Ultron. And then again, nothing for three years. And then Infinity War. He's like the main character of that movie. 
the cheesiest fight scenes and the best fight scenes. Uh, first, shout out to all of the Black Widow scenes. You can totally tell they, tell they studied like grappling based martial arts, like just for her. And the, the fight scene with um, Hawkeye specifically, great fight scene. Um, and shout out to the final battle. Once again, like I've said this before, but I love the video gamey, super video gamey, like henchmen versus superhero fights. And for the first time, we see them all together for the first time ever. Like in any movie, we see a, a group of superheroes working together. The the classic Iron Man repulsors off the shield, Hulk and Thor teaming up to take down the big scary dragon looking thingy, Hawkeye taking orders from Captain America. But the best top to bottom was a helicarrier scene. Like as soon as Hawkeye and the other bad guys got onto the helicarrier from that moment, until the very end, like just top tier. Like it's, you've got anxiety, it's scary, it's stressful because you don't know what's going to happen. I said this, but Black Widow and Hawkeye, amazing fight. Like the knife is coming close to her face and she just bites his hand and slams his head down. That was a great little sequence there. Hulk chasing Black Widow. That was terrifying. That was a great scene. Downright scary. Hulk tries to lift the hammer, but he can't. Everything's going wrong. And this is like right at the end of the group's argument. But when it's time to suit up, they freaking do it. They suit up. So you're combining the whole helicarrier into one fight scene? Yeah. Okay. I guess if I had to pick one of those for best fight, I think I would go Hawkeye and Black Widow. No, if I had to go a single fight, though, I wouldn't. Oh, man, this whole movie, it's got great action sequences. This whole movie's got great, great fights. The only one that I put for cheesiest. I didn't really like the Thor versus Iron Man fight. It felt a little cheesy. Like, you want me to put the hammer down? Yeah. Okay, buddy. Um, so the first time seeing it was probably really, really cool. But I think it was just a weird way to get them all together. And then they just kind of blow past it. Like, hey, I tried to kill you 10 minutes ago. Good swing. Point break. Yeah, I agree um, on both of those, actually. So cheesiest fight scene. I think the the whole Shakespeare in the Park scene was pretty cheesy. Um, It's not a horrible way to kind of bring them together, I think, because that's the whole point is they are in this like serious contention and and, um, they're kind of like flexing their muscles at each other. But I think it's cheesy. I think it's also like you kind of nerfed Thor quite a bit to say like, oh, you're going to go toe to toe toe with Hulk in a little bit, but you can't handle um, Iron Man. I think... I mean, that happens a lot in movies. Like, the good guys fight each other, and then they're underpowered. I think they're pulling their punches. Like, I don't think yeah. Thor's trying to kill Iron Man at that point. With Hulk, yeah. it's like, this guy can take a beating, so I'm going to hit him with my freaking hammer. Yeah, and that's a fair explanation, except for he tried to electrocute him. So, yeah. like, I... I and then I he brings the whole hammer down on Captain America. Like, if that was a normal shield, that man is dead. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess, yeah. yeah, they, so I guess, if, yeah, they nerfed him. If Thor knew, like, how powerful they were, sure and that he could they could take his his uh hammerings and lightning but it's one of the limitations of superhero movies is you've got to be okay with the strength of their abilities changing scene to scene so i i had initially kind of combined all of black widow's scenes fight scenes in there because i thought the interrogation scene was a lot of fun with her beating up bad guys and her and hawkeye um, but actually, like, I would like to combine the helicarrier scenes as well. Um, I the Hawkeye and Black Widow. I'm a huge fan of just like in superhero movies, just like people fighting like 
normal martial arts rather than like of fighting this CGI monster. Um, so I, it's fun when like normal people are fighting each other. Yeah. Um, which is why I think it's good that they brought in Hawkeye and Black Widow, even though sometimes it's like, what's the point of Black Widow here? <laughs> um, but also, I uh, avoid having this argument because like it would just totally ruin the heart. But like, yeah. why? Why wouldn't Iron Man just like if this were realistic? Why wouldn't Iron Man give a suit to Black Widow and Hawkeye? Like, I can do a lot more. Yeah, that way. it's but true. That's it's also a, like how many of these? Question. How many of these Avengers were actually like were a part of? the plan was fury expecting thor to to randomly show up like that, that's a good to point too because he he almost didn't have before captain america got unfrozen there was nobody on his team then <laughs> like he didn't want iron man Hulk yeah. wouldn't been a part of it like he had eyes on thor maybe so you gotta imagine he's got like a big list of different people but yeah this movie that none of them would have really worked out i want to see a series of the avengers rejects and on the, and also like Thor and Hulk going toe to toe. That's a lot of fun too. Kind of because it's also like Thor's kind of like boxing him, which is yeah. fun. Uh, they they talk a lot about how like um, Chris Hemsworth got his like fighting style from heavyweight boxers. So you you see that a lot in in this scene specifically. Uh, so missed opportunities. I didn't have a ton. Um, the only thing that I think would be pretty cool to and there's still time but i think it would be interesting to have some sort of scene or part of maybe it's part of loki season two where you see how thanos initially got in touch with loki Ooh. um that'd be kind of an interesting story to explore i would love to see that i think yeah that's a long-term missed opportunity because i don't think it would have fit in this movie but that that is a long i don't have any missed opportunities just for this movie i think it was pretty flawless um i guess there's a lot of nits but as, as far as like plot goes pretty flawless but it is straight up insane to me that tony didn't say if you if we can't save the world you'll be damn sure we'll avenge it the fact that he didn't say that in endgame is crazy to me like i was expecting that going in and it never came like that would be like yeah. the perfect time for it because they didn't yeah. save the world now it's time to yeah. avenge it yeah it's true like they're not avengers until endgame really yeah, and that is cut true. Off his head. All right, it is time for useless trivia. Uh, the life model decoy that was a throwaway joke by uh, by Tony, but it was a huge thing in the comics, specifically with Nick Fury. He wouldn't use those life model decoys to, uh, you know, not die often. Um, the guy playing Thanos's uh, Herald or whatever that is Alexis Denisoff, who is married to Allison Hannigan. Star of How I Met Your Mother, along with Kobe Smulders playing Maria Hill. And Dennis Hoff plays Sandy Rivers. So Sandy Rivers plays... No way! That's yeah. Sandy Rivers? That's Sandy Rivers. The creepy Harold guy. That's a really good useless trivia. Yeah, and there's obviously a connection. Hannigan was in uh, Buffy, which was a Joss Whedon creation. Uh, there's a lot of improv stuff. I'm not going to include all of it, but probably 20% of Tony Stark's lines were improv there's one. Oh, this one I liked in the last post credit scene, the one where they're eating shawarma. Chris Evans is the only one who's not eating. That's because Chris Evans got a buzz cut and he grew out a beard for, uh, for the movie he was filming at this time, which was Snowpiercer, the movie where Captain America eats babies. That's a good movie. 
That was a great movie. <laughs> I say that I was going to say that's a good movie before you said that he eats babies. So apologies to babies everywhere. I have a little bit of useless trivia. First, it's not necessarily trivia, but I, I really like the farmer's insurance product placement as they're destroying the city. There's two specific scenes where you see like buildings with farmer's insurance signs on them. I thought that was a that was a fun touch. Uh, the second, like I mentioned, the the diner girl um, who like Captain America saves, and then later like there's a um, in when they talk about like the aftermath, she's like Captain America saved me. How could you be like talking bad about them? There was actually going to be a deleted scene where Captain America was eating at the diner that she's like serving at. And then um, Stan Lee looks at him and he's like, what are you doing, moron? Ask her out. And I thought that would have been a fun. I don't know where that would fit, but yeah, I don't know because it ended so well. And Captain, it could have been before because Captain America was introduced perfectly. So I I don't know if it's a good scene, a good spot for that scene, but it would have been funny. It's a good deleted scene, I guess. Back when like you could watch deleted scenes on DVD players and stuff like that. Can you skip this movie in your MCU rewatch? I'll let you go first. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you can definitely skip this movie. Yeah, might as well, or it's not even that important. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, no, you cannot skip this. This is. I, I would you argue? I would argue that this is the most important MCU movie. Up until Infinity War, yeah, this I like. This is the it, it's less skippable than Civil War. <laughs> like I would rather watch this one than civil war like we're cutting down movies to to cut out i mean there's we know like this is the first movie where we know there's a greater threat in the universe than greedy businessmen and nazis we see the all the power fury had before it was taken away and how important that ends up becoming we see the heroes join up together do not under any circumstances skip this movie if you if you need to watch it every single day of your life and that's that's better than ever skipping it did you write that did you write that out? Yes, I did. I wrote, do not under any circumstances skip this movie. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yes. All right, now the important question. Where does it rank? This is why we, this is why I made this podcast, was to rank the movies from 1 to 150. Is it Pantheon? Is it awesome? Is it Dig It? Or is it skippable? Where do you have it? Uh, this is definitely Pantheon. This is it's, definitely Pantheon. You know, I did not think that there would be an MCU movie that would top it. And that's debatable now, but it's still Pantheon. Tomo Eternals? Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Black Widow? Oh! This movie is Pantheon. It is the, it's the first epic of all the superheroes. The first epic out of the entire superhero genre. It's so big. It's so grand. The stakes are so high, but they make sense. There's the buildup. It's got amazing fights throughout. It's constant action. and never. It doesn't feel like it's ever... It doesn't feel like a long movie, but it's two hours and 40 minutes. It's got great lines, great writing, and it's got perfect payoff. It is, it's a perfect movie. It ages well. It was so well written, but not in the same way as Iron Man, not in the funny little quips, but it's got like the great monologues and the, the jokes thrown when they need to. But it's not the same type of movie as Iron Man. And that's like, I was trying to rank those two back to back and they're just so different movies. Loki, perfect villain, perfect monologues, very few nits to pick few i don't think any real missed opportunities and like no wasted time at all like there's no fat that could be cut it started out so hot and strong from the first second we're engaged all the way up to the very end i just 
excellent movie. So my rankings, I'm going to start from bottom to top. Uh, last place, Incredible Hulk. Iron Man 2, those two are both skippable. In the Dig It category, we got Thor. Uh, awesome, we've got Captain America, the first Avenger. That's our baseline between, if it's better than that movie, it's Pantheon. Number two in the Pantheon, I put Iron Man. Number one so far is Avengers. I think I agree I'm still with, rethinking with that, that one because Iron Man was so good. But I like. I think when you include the stakes of this movie, it has to be number one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Iron Man was great. Avengers is like you are a Aaron Judge and you're swinging for home runs all the time, and you know there's a probably a good possibility that you're going to strike out or you're going to like hit it into the moon and they absolutely hit it into the moon. It was a huge risk, I think to like bring all these characters together. Um, you know, it took a little bit of time, but not a ton of time for them to kind of develop these characters on their own. They did an amazing job. So, you know, big risk, big reward. I think Avengers and Iron Man, they're going to be one and two for a long time. I'm so, I'm still rethinking Iron Man. I think Iron Man in a vacuum. It's a great movie. I think it might be the best movie. But when you include everything else around it, I think you got to put mm-hmm. Avengers above Iron Man. Yeah, I would say Iron Man's the best movie for people that don't care about superheroes or comics. Yeah. Avengers, at least so far, is the best movie for Marvel nerds. And do you remember how this is this movie is so important for for nerd culture and everything and it's only a few years later from or a few years before star wars kind of went in the same direction of like this is now what's popular um but do you remember like big bang theory pre and post avengers how different the show was like yeah. it, like we can no longer make fun of these characters for liking thor because so do we you know so that wraps up the Avengers and that wraps up phase one of the wrong opinion MC rewatch. Uh, we'll be coming back. I'm going to re- be releasing these all over the next few weeks. So by next week, when you're hearing this, you'll be listening to me talk about Iron Man 3, a movie that I think is a little bit underrated. And I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs>